0: All right, today we're in Mark chapter 11, verse 27 through 33, and this uh, sermon is called So, You Want to Follow Jesus? Um, so, I'm going to give you our three points at the beginning before we even start. So if you've got a pen and you want to write these down, uh, this is a good way to start. Reason number one why people don't follow Jesus is they don't want to submit to His authority. That's reason number one. Uh, I'm going to rephrase that. Um, I don't want to submit to Jesus' authority, and that's why I struggle to follow Jesus. You see, we're going to read a story today about the Pharisees, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Scribes and all these people uh, who are struggling with Jesus um, in his authority. Uh, all of these people are going to, have reasons uh, for not following Jesus. And these people weren't crazy. Um, And uh, when I read this story, I have a tendency to think that these guys are the bad guys, um, which, you know, they are, but um, I I don't tend to associate them with representing me. But what we're going to see in this study today is that the Pharisees are a lot more like me than I ever want to admit. Um, they don't want to submit to Jesus' authority, and I also struggle, we all do, we struggle with letting Jesus be the boss of our life, submitting to his authority. The second reason that these Pharisees, as well as me, uh, don't want to follow Jesus is they refuse to look at and believe the evidence that is presented, Uh, So they are what we call evidence deniers. Um, Some people say there's science deniers out there. Well, there's evidence deniers, right? And the third reason why people don't follow Jesus, why I don't follow Jesus, is fear of men. Uh, We fear men more than we fear God. So you want to follow Jesus? Uh, Then today's message is going to be very important for you to to listen to and, and understand what roadblocks you're going to have to cross Uh, What boulders in the road you're going to have to climb over or broken trees that have fallen down in the path uh, in order to follow Jesus. So Mark uh, chapter 11, verse 27. Then they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you the authority to do these things? So again, these are the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, which means these are the religious leaders. These are the people most respected in the entire community of Israel, and um, and they are going to have a really hard time with Jesus. They don't like his authority. They're, what they're saying here is, this is our stuff. Now, what just happened? Why, why are they freaking out like this? Because this is the last week of Jesus' life, his the last seven days, and is called his Passion, or the last seven days of his life, right before he's crucified. And the day before this, he had just gone into the temple and he had kicked out all the money changers, he had turned over their tables, and he yelled and he said, My, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Well, now the people who were in charge of that den of thieves. They are pretty upset. They are saying, this is our stuff. What gives you the right to mess with our stuff? This is our temple. We are in charge of the temple. We control who gets in and who gets out. We decide who's accepted. We are the door for God. We choose who is good enough for God. This is our place. We rule, and we are not surrendering control to anyone. We paid a price for this authority. We went to school. We went to rabbi school. We went to, uh, you know, whatever schools they went to. Uh, We followed the rules. We joined the gang, you know, blood in, blood out. This This is our gang. We run these streets. And this brings us to reason number one why people don't follow Jesus. They don't want to submit to his authority. We want to believe that we are in charge of our own lives, and and we're fine with that. We want to be in charge with our own lives, but Jesus says, "If anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone wants to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me," which means you have to say no to self and death to self, and I have to be your boss. That's what a disciple is. This is the great choice that we are all faced with: will we choose Jesus or ourselves? Will we submit to his authority? Will we make him the lord of our life, the boss of our life? Or will we keep him in a, or, or will we um, try to keep him from his rightful place as our king? And, and when, we, when we hold off control, when we don't want to give control up, that's really pride. It's really saying it's all about me. Satan's pride led him to say, I will not be under the authority of God. I will will do what I want. I'm not going to do what he wants. And God kicked Satan out of heaven because of his pride. Jesus kicked him out because he said, I am special and I deserve this and I deserve that and I want to be worshipped and I'm beautiful and I can sing really good. Satan was the worship leader in heaven, apparently. And Satan took that prideful attitude and he came down to earth and he has been spreading that pride attitude of, I should be able to choose my own life. God doesn't choose for me, I choose for myself. That attitude, he has spread it like a virus, he spread this attitude that we should be able to wear the crown of our lives, to be in charge of our own lives. I don't know if you know, but the word crown in Spanish is corona, or other languages too. So basically, Satan spread the original coronavirus, <laughs> which is pride. The most deadly thing in all of humanity has been Pride, the idea that I don't need God and I don't need to submit to God's authority. But God is so very clear when he says, I give grace to the humble, but I resist the proud. God is very clear. Pride is what destroys a relationship with God. It cracks it. It brings distance and uh, separates God from men. Pride. Pride. Well, let's see how Jesus responds to this prideful attitude that they do not want to submit to his authority. Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one question, then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus answered and said to them, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay, so Jesus understands that these guys don't want to follow him. He already knows that. So what does Jesus do? He asks them to consider the evidence The evidence. So that brings us to reason number two why we don't really want to follow Jesus. Reason number one is submitting to his authority. He is God and he has the authority to do what he pleases and we don't really like that. We want that authority for ourselves, but that's pride. Reason number two why we don't really want to follow Jesus is, uh, well, these guys, they show us that they refused to believe and to look at the evidence. They are evidence deniers. And that's what I am too, many times. These were Bible scholars, right? They knew the Old Testament backwards and forward. They knew the prophecies about the forerunner of the Messiah, who was John the Baptist. It was undeniable that John was the one prophesied in Scripture who would come before the Messiah. John knew who he was. All the people knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was. But these guys are acting like they're dumber than all the people. They are acting like they don't know who he was. But it's not that there was no evidence. They refused to look at it and believe the evidence. They have a lack of courage to even give an honest answer. All the evidence was that John was sent by God. But they couldn't accept that. Because they didn't believe or like him or follow him. Because they said, uh, because he said they were wrong. That's what the message of John the Baptist said. He gave evidence that they were wrong. That they were the problem. And of course they're not going to follow him because he presented a message that they did not like. And for us to follow Jesus, we are going to have to hear a message that we don't like. The same message John gave us from heaven and gave to the Pharisees, uh, that we are wrong. That we are the problem. That we are broken and prideful and sinful and we need a Savior. That We are a pack of vipers, as he called those, uh, those Pharisees. And if we don't believe this message, the evidence that's presented to us, we will not follow Jesus. So we're going to, it's kind of like a courtroom drama, okay? We have to examine the evidence that's presented. God's law was presented by John the Baptist, and, and his law is real, it's true, and it shows my sinfulness. It shows that Jesus is perfect. So my path, then, is to follow Jesus through the gospel. So again imagine a courtroom drama if you will this is this is what Jesus did in the sermon on the mount when he was um, he paraded a list of rules before the people then he revealed to them like evidence uh, you are not a good person you have heard it said don't commit adultery but i say to you even if you look lustfully with your heart on someone on some girl and you, you want her in your heart you've already broken the law. So he he parades this list of laws before the people then he reveals to them the evidence like a good lawyer that they had broken each and every law and fallen short of the standard of God for life. Then Jesus brings the gospel. After all the evidence is heard and, and the verdict is sure, we are guilty Jesus brings the gospel. His which is His work of saving guilty people from their sentence. Or you could say sick people from their disease. See, the evidence is needed to show us our guilt. And our guilt is needed for us to be sentenced, condemned. And only then can someone step in and serve our sentence for us as a substitute because they love us and Jesus is that beloved Savior that does that for us. But life is so much easier when we just step out of the courtroom, ignore the evidence, and try to go on living our life. It's difficult to go through this process of discovery where our whole inner life is being brought out by God and myself to see. We would rather have a recess from the courtroom drama and go out and play and do our own thing. But this is a life and death case, and we can't let our pride or our shame or our lack of courage keep us from seeing and hearing the evidence that is super important for us to know. A patient will never get any treatment from for for his cancer if he doesn't know about it. A criminal can't ever be free of guilt without someone serving the sentence that he is guilty of. Jesus won't be that kind of doctor who doesn't tell us what we need or heal us. And he will be the substitute or the Savior for us if we allow the evidence to do its work to show us that we are the brood of vipers. We are the Pharisees who, don't, who need to be saved. And Jesus is offering that to us now. So Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me, guys. I'm going to read part of our text again as we see the third thing. But if we say, from men, they feared the people. Underline that part. They feared the people. For they all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, We don't know, which is a lie. They knew. They knew it was true. And Jesus answered to them, Well, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus tells them, You can't hear the truth. You're not going to get anything out of a relationship with me because you live in a lie. Because you are stubbornly afraid to follow Jesus. They're afraid. It said they feared the people. And the number of reason number three reason why people don't follow Jesus, why I don't follow Jesus, is because of the fear of men. We fear men more than we fear God. And I'm going to call it stubborn fear because it's really stubbornness and fear mixed together. The, Luke's account of this is even more graphic. It says, uh, if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death, for they are all convinced that John was a prophet. So, these Pharisees, it's not that these guys were stupid, you know, these guys weren't, they they knew what was going on, but they were stubborn, very stubborn, because they would rather keep their position of power and live a lie than submit to Jesus and follow him, making him the Lord of their life. I mean, if they would follow the logical conclusion of what they're saying, they're saying they, they would rather go to hell than follow Jesus which is the choice every human being has to make. You either follow Jesus or you're saying by your action of rejecting Jesus, I would rather go to hell than follow Jesus. Why would anyone say that? Because we have a hard time giving up control. People with power, like these Pharisees, often are living in fear. Fear that it will be taken away. Yet people with no power are often able to live carefree and joyful lives. When you're worried about losing something, that fear is debilitating to almost every part of your life. That's why Jesus said in, back in chapter 8 of Mark, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So what is in your life that you are afraid to lose? You gotta stop, stop for a moment right here and you gotta think. What is there in your life that you stubbornly won't lose for Jesus? That is a hard question, but we must consider it. We must think about it. What is there that you will not give up stubbornly or you're afraid? Stubbornness and fear go together in this this question. What is it that we are afraid or stubbornly won't lose for Jesus? For the Pharisees, it was this power. For For the elders and the chief priests, they did not want to give up their control over these people. They did not want to trust God with these people. Jesus had, has come to be the Savior of the world, but also the Lord. He's called the Lord and Savior. And those two titles go perfectly together, and they cannot be separated. You can't have one without the other. You can't say, I want Jesus to save me, but I don't want to follow him. I don't want to make him the Lord of my life. I won't submit to his lordship. I still want to be uh, the Lord of my own life, to do what I want. And Jesus says, that is not the deal. I will save you. I will die on the cross for your sins. you got to follow me. Make me the Lord of your life. Jesus says, if anyone wants to be his disciple, they must pick up their cross and follow him. That means turn your back on everything you want and all, to do all that he wants At all times, every day, doing His will, not your own. So this life that Jesus offers us is a life where we abide or remain in His finished work on the cross. Not my own work or effort. Abide in His work, not in yours. That we love with His love, not my own. Forgive as He forgave, not with the half-hearted forgiveness that I can muster up. Serve like he served people, not with my weakness, but with his strength. This is what it means to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. We have to choose to die. The cross was a, uh, a death instrument. Nobody who picked up a cross was doing it for fun or to be entertained or just amazed at how cool church was. It was to die to my hopes and my dreams, to give away my power. This is how to live without fear. This is how to live without fear. You surrender control of everything to Jesus, and then you can trust him to keep it safe. Or maybe not. But either way, he's in control And he is a loving God who knows what's best. And that's what he's trying to get us to understand. The only safe place to be is in him, surrendered to his will, doing his will. Our job is to follow him. That's his will for our lives, to love and serve and enjoy what he gives with thanksgiving. Never try to hold on to those blessings instead of following him. Be constantly opening your hands to let things go and that is how to not live in fear. Constantly giving thanks for His goodness. Not longing for more, not wishing that you had more, coveting other things. Not fearing losing what He gave, but trusting that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away but we can always say, blessed be the name of the Lord. This is what it means to trust him moment by moment. And this is the most free way to live. I want to convince you. Holding on to things is a prison you're putting yourself in. Refusing to let go of those things and trust the Lord is, throwing, is swallowing the key Your own prison. So, to summarize all that we've learned today, three reasons why we struggle, and the Pharisees show us how we struggle to follow Jesus. Number one, we don't want to submit to his authority. Number two, we refuse to look at the evidence because the evidence declares that we are lame and guilty and not able to do anything on our own apart from the work of Jesus for us. Number three, we fear men more than we fear God. These these Pharisees, you know, they, they were afraid of these people when the people were probably not going to stone them, but they were afraid more than they feared God. They let fear drive them to make decisions, and those decisions... Decisions made in fear are never decisions to trust the Lord and to follow Him. It's what keeps us away from Him. So that's our study today. That's our time in the Word today. I'm going to end with a quote from Spurgeon. There's Spurgeon right there. See him? All right. Um, This is a quote of Spurgeon from a sermon that he did on following Jesus, just like we talked about following Jesus. This was the end of his sermon. So I'm going to read this to you guys. Now, I speak to you tonight, who may, though you know it not, be on the brink of the grave. And I shall ask you to put put to yourselves this question. How will it fare with you when you pass into the spirit world and stand before your God? When you are not reckoned as a friend of Christ, but you have taken your stand among his enemies? Will you not wish that you uh will you not wish to take that place even tonight? You are halting between two opinions. But my dear friend, that halting of yours must come to an end very soon or at, or else death will decide it for you. And where death finds you judgment will leave you and hell will continue you. Oh, I pray that you lay hold on eternal life. And this night cast your lot in with Christ. Oh, he is the brightest leader ever soldier had. He is the fairest prince under whom anyone could serve. His cause is such as will ennoble you. To fight under his banner makes each private soldier into a prince, ennobles each one into a king. Before you can serve him, remember you must be washed by him. There is a fountain filled with blood. If you can trust him, that blood will make you as white as snow. If you can trust him now, his Holy Spirit will give, will give you the grace to enlist in his army and continue to be a faithful ser- soldier until you lay down your battle with your life and cease at once to fight and to live and enter into victory Forever and ever. I read that because I want everyone who hears the sound of my voice to know Jesus offers you salvation, forgiveness. He calls out to you in your heart. He is calling right now and He says, Believe on me, put your hope in me. What does that look like? It means, say, Jesus, I need you. I need what you did for me. Your death on the cross is something I need. Why? Because I am a sinner and I am guilty. And Jesus, your love, I can't even understand it, but I'm going to call upon it and I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to ask, because of your love, because of what you did on the cross, would you please forgive me? Make me into your child, make me into your servant, and I will pick up my cross and follow you from this day, every day, till till I am dead, which we do not know when that will happen, my friends. I encourage every single one of you, make that prayer your own. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I want to follow you, picking up my cross every day. Father, we need you. Father, I pray that whatever words have been spoken today would encourage my friends and our church and anyone listening, I pray that we, everyone here would know how to have peace with you and to walk with you and to follow you. You are a gracious and kind leader, and we want to follow you. So give us the strength and the grace to do so. In your name we pray. Amen.